Hi, I'm Carrie Butler, and you're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. I have a special offer for my listeners. You can get my new course at carriebutlercoach.com slash broadwaypodcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Penny who just couldn't stop the beat Yes, with roller skates on her feet A girl who loved to beat A girl who's recently deceased A real cool mom Musical version of Welcome back to Breaking Broadway. I am super excited for our next guest um, in our director series. We have Shelly Williams, who is one of the hottest directors around right now. So much buzz around Shelly. She has so many upcoming shows, The Notebook, Mandela the Musical debuting in London, Revivals of the Wiz, Anaida, and Hidden Figures the Musical. When I saw that movie, I was like, that would make a great musical. Um, and I recently worked with her and had such an amazing time. While we were working together, I was <laughs> writing in my script, not notes about my character, but things that Shelly was saying like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this before. Just writing so many notes about just um, her words of wisdom about the industry and about the process. Um, and also we're going to talk about a new book that she has just written that I absolutely love called Your Legacy. So we're going to cover all this. Welcome to the show, Shelly. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, Carrie. It's awesome to be in conversation with you. Okay. Well, I'm so excited. So we usually start our show just talking about your journey to where you are now. So you started out as a performer. and oh, But first, tell me about your childhood. Like, where did you grow up? Where did you find theater? So I'm a, a Midwestern girl from Dayton, Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, what some people would call an unusual childhood. Um, my dad's a professional musician. He's the drummer for the Ohio Players. Oh, wow. So I grew up, um, you know, going to gigs on Fridays, like missing a lot of Fridays and being on like the tour bus and going away. <gasps> That's my fun. mom. My mom and dad are high school sweethearts. Oh. Um, they've been together for 50 plus years. And so 
they did something kind of magical, which is they always said that our life was normal. So this whole lifestyle of being an artist to me was like, you know, the most normal thing in the world. And like having a nine to five felt so weird. You know, I talked to friends and they were like, and then my dad's every day, you know, home every day at six. And I was like, for real? <laughs> like, you know, so I had what I thought was like a totally normal um, childhood. And I had the example of watching my dad follow his passion, mm-hmm. practice every day um, and struggle. You know, so I, I didn't walk into this lifestyle with blinders on. Um, I too started out as a drummer. And I was going to ask you. Oh yeah. That was like my passion. <gasps> and then I played the pit. I played the pit in all the high school shows. Oh my and, gosh. And, and then I auditioned for the whiz. I was a part of a group called Muse Machine in Dayton, Ohio. And I auditioned for the whiz and they double cast Dorothy. And I was one of the Dorothy's. And it totally like changed my life. And I mean, when I tell you upended everything, I had a scholarship to go to music school and here I am in May of my senior year. And I had this conversation with my parents where I say, (laughs) I want to be an actor and I want to turn down these scholarships and do something else. So I took a gap year so I could study theater. I had an acting coach. And then I auditioned for Anda. In Ohio? In Ohio, yeah. <laughs> and then I and I worked at the mall and like I was an honor student. And I remember running into my English teacher and she was like, where are you going to college? And I was like, I took a gap year because I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> and she literally said to me, I thought you were going to become something. Oh. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to show her. Oh like, that was God. like, yes, I will never forget. Like the, just the, dis- I was so excited to share, like I'm following my passion. Yes. And she was like, so disappointed. Um, but I got a scholarship to AMDA and I went and it wow. was like life changing. And so that was, that's what brought me to New York. That's an Very, amazing like, story. It, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. And Darius DeHaas and I were in class together. We no were students together. So I've literally known Darius since the day I moved to New York in 1990. Oh my gosh. And so did you, so you studied, cause you're a dancer too, right? Oh, I, I, as my mom says, I was such a precocious child that she put me in every class that she could afford. <sighs> she was just like, great. Can I buy another hour? What else can she do? Like I did tap, ballet, jazz. Oh, okay. So you everything. did all of that. Like when you were young. Yeah. Miss you Pam's did. school of dance. You know what it was I'm saying? Like you, like, didn't, <laughs> you didn't just become a dancer in college. Cause I'm like, you're going to make me feel really bad right now. <laughs> no, I was, I, my, I, my sister and I are eight years apart. So it was literally like, how do we keep this kid busy? It had nothing to do with my own passions or wants. <laughs> okay. Okay. So then you got out of AMTA and then what happened? Uh, and then I auditioned for everything and was so happy to get anything. Right. So I uh, ended up doing uh, 42nd street in Europe. There were, you know, that's when European oh, tours were flourishing. I did, I did the European tour of Oklahoma. That was my first job. Wolfgang Bosch. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll we can go on for hours about Wolfgang and the tours. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I did. I remember the 42nd street tour happening around the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we were like, you know, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Like someone paying you to be in Europe was like phenomenal. I did 42nd street in Europe. I did Porgy and Bess. And then I did the Tommy sit down Uh tour, which was like uh, the sit down production, which was amazing. It was with Michael Cerberus and Roger Bart. And it was like, Oh my gosh. Ridiculous. 
And then I did a bunch of regional, I did some chorus line. I did a show called Paper Moon. That was a good speed. That's where I got my equity card. Wow. And while I was doing um, Paper Moon, I will always love Donna Lynn. Um, she was a stage manager. It was her first year at Goodspeed as stage manager. And I got uh, the opportunity to audition for Rent. And they, and I was a swing in the show and the dance captain, and they gave me the matinee off <gasps> so that I could go to my callback. And while I was there, I got the show. Wow. And so that then became... You know, Your first Broadway show? It, yes. I started out with a national tour okay. and then ended up coming into to New York. And that was my first Broadway show. Wow. That's so exciting. What, pretty, a great, what a great Broadway debut. It was, yeah. I mean, it was very dramatic and super fun. I was in, um, I, I, when Rent started, I was the merchandise gal. I sold oh t-shirts and hats. All through previews, opening night, like I was the merchandise girl, right? And I watched the show every day. And then six months later, when the tour happened, like who knew it better than me? (laughs) So then I became the dance captain. And then I, the original choreographer, the original assistant choreographer got pregnant and Marlise asked me to become her associate. So I became the associate choreographer and was putting up the show in Toronto and got a call from Brig Birdie that said, hey, do you want to do Seasons of Love and Broadway tonight? And I was like, huh? And he was like, you have a plane ticket for two hours. You're, and I literally like left Toronto with like my backpack and got to the theater at 7.35 and... Uh, there, there were a couple things that are different in all the shows, you know, so I had to learn like, you know, what coat am I selling? Cause some right. of them are like glued down. You know? So it's like, which one actually lives? So I learned a couple of the, you know, things that I needed to know. Angela went, the costume designer was in the stage management office and she looked at what I was wearing and went switch sweaters with me. And I took off the sweater I was wearing and I put on her like slightly wet pit sweater. Like, <laughs> literally like put on a head mic and walk on stage. Oh, <laughs> and that was gosh. my first white Oh my gosh. <laughs> Honest to God. Like no put in, no nothing. Oh my gosh. Half the cast was like, isn't that the associate choreographer? Can she even sing? Like they didn't even know like, that is the best Broadway debut I've ever heard. I think you win. <laughs> it was pretty fun. It was really pretty fun. Oh my yeah. gosh. So then is that kind of how you got into the directing choreographing track? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, when I was in Tommy, I was a swing and the great and amazing Bayerk Lee taught me how to, you know, build a swing book. Mm-hmm. And then when I got rent, she was like, okay, you're going to be a dance captain. She's like, okay, girlfriend, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. And she literally taught me how to watch a show, oh. how to notate a show. And she, she was such a mentor to me. And she was the first director who asked me to be an assistant. And I, she was like, I can't go up to, she couldn't be there to put up, the production of Porgy and Bess. I had done her version in Europe. And she said, I want you to restage it for me. And I was like, me? And she's like, you'll be fine. Wow. And, and I got to put up that ginormous opera. Um, and then I went back to acting because I was like, you know, that, that was fun. Mm-hmm. So I think 
choreographers and directors saw it in me long yeah. before I did. They were like, hey, wow. you want to assist me on this? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, like I just, it didn't even, it didn't click mm-hmm. for probably like 10 years that this was something that I really wanted or something that I maybe had like, you know, a talent for, um, it, it, you know, it, until I made the decision that I wanted to be on the other side of the table. And then I realized, oh, wait, I, I've kind of been preparing for this for a long time and I just didn't know it. And how do you feel? Do you miss performing since that's what you dreamed of when you were little or? Never once. Wow. It, it's so, as a matter of fact, it's so weird because I I think about it on days like Thanksgiving and I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> how did I like, you know, just things, days where I'm like with my family and enjoying it. And I was like, I remember like not eating because like I had to do a show that yeah, day, yeah. you know, just like I, I, every time, like it's not lost on me. Every time I go to a wedding or I go to like, you know, a relative's graduation or a big event, I think about I was never able to do this when I was performing. Yeah, it's especially during so this much. time. Yeah, during this time, I'm thinking like, wow, I have missed so much. Yeah. I, I really have to be better about like putting life events maybe ahead of the show sometimes. Yeah, I remember thinking like, I've got to save this personal day for yes. you know, if I get sick, you know, you get three of them or at least right. back in the day. Yeah. No, I think you still only have like maybe, maybe, maybe I don't think you even get three personal days. Oh. You know, thinking like, well, my uncle died, but what if grandma dies? Like, That's I might right. need that. Like, it's it was yes. so crazy to think about that. And and I think about really, you know, when we talk about things as a family, like I, I missed that event. Yeah, I, I'm not a part of that big memory. Yeah. And so when I think about, of course, I think about the joy, and I have so many memories. But I think about how different my life was, mm-hmm. and it was a sacrifice I was fully prepared to make. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm on a new path, I, I fully enjoy uh, the the perks and privileges of this new lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It does have other, you know, other things are really hard when I'm in production. I'm not seeing, you know, my kids for like right. a long time. You know, when I go yeah. away to London, I'm gone for two months. There's like a, there's a lot of upending that happens and um, that's very different in life now in different ways. Um, a tremendous amount of responsibility. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I do feel very responsible for every single job when I do a show. Mm-hmm. I think about like the hundreds of people who won't have a job if we get it wrong. Yeah. And so I, I 
I really like to have like 45 conversations about one thing and, and really hold every single creative person um, accountable and making sure that like, we're all not so busy that we don't have time to discuss this because, you know, we, it's at our hands to do our very best because if we get it right, hundreds of people get to thrive. Yeah. And if we get it wrong because we were sloppy or we were too busy or, you know, we have the privilege of having other productions, you know, that, that I, I saw that so many times when I was doing readings and workshops and I would think, Hey, we're doing like a workshop before we're supposed to start rehearsals. And it kind of looks like you guys have never had a conversation. You know, where I'm like, uh, we're figuring this out now in rehearsals. Like, you haven't heard this song, choreographer. You know, there's certain things that I was like, oh God. Yeah. Or you can just like see like the expiration date on your show when it's in the first day of rehearsal because you can clearly read the room and see everyone was so busy they never got together to chat. Wow, um, that's so interesting. Oh, you know, that that to me, uh, that'll never happen for yeah. me. You know, like I, I, I am a, I'm a big believer in process, a big believer in exploration. And when I chat with collaborators to have conversations, you know, one of the big things I say is we are going to take our time. Yeah, I noticed that in the reading we did together. I was like, this never happens. <laughs> you just re- there's no like goal ahead. It's just exploration kind of. Yeah. You know, there's, there's certain things to me, you're going to, there's no way to, I mean, at least for me, there's no way for me to know if something really works based on like, I've sent you a few pages. <laughs> like this is yeah, my show. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I think that what you have to do is you have to explore it and you have to give yourself permission to explore it. And you have to give yourself permission to just be wrong and try. And yes. not everything that we think is going to be great is going to be great. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe what you come out of it was like, I really love this collaboration. There yeah. is something here. This is just not the thing. So I am, you know, when people ask me if I am interested in directing something, I, I have to really make sure that they are in line with the process and the way that I want to work. You know, otherwise I'm not the right director for the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's so much I want to talk to you about because these are exactly the things that I took the notes on. But for, first, I want to make sure since this podcast is for, you know, young performers, there was one thing I loved that you talked about, um, your approach to understudies. Mm. And how you notice, because you are an understudy yourself, and how yeah. you notice that understudies don't take up space. And so your advice and the, the chances that you've given to people. Yeah, I, I have. I mean, I understudied in every single show that I did. Oh. Every, say for 42nd Street, which is my very first show. Um, but even in 42nd Street, when the tour went back out, I was watching the role Lorraine so hard because I wanted that role that I ended up like auditioning and getting that role the next time it went out. So even in my mind, I was thinking like a cover. I was mm-hmm. like, I want, you know, um, but I was always dance captain, always swing, swing a lot, always covered. Um, and the, the thing that I often see in auditions is that when understudies and swings come into audition, you know, they don't know how to take up space because they have been taught to become this other person. They've been taught to become, you know, we want you to 
take your extraordinary talent and put it in this box that we need for this moment. And that is an extraordinary skill and I have done it. And I've been so proud to say I can be nine different women in this show. And that is a challenge. And that is, it's, it's incredible stretch. But the thing that's often forgotten is that when you go into audition for something new, that this is an opportunity for you to be your authentic self and to say, I'm no longer in a box. Mm. I am here to shine. And I think there are a couple things that are tricky and something that I challenge um, casting directors, directors, choreographers, that when you see that someone has understudy or cover or swing on their resume, that it is not our job to be lazy and say, oh, great, they can do that for us. It is our job to actually cast the show with the best people to do those positions, but to also allow someone who's done it before that their, their past does not dictate their future mm. and that I want to see them with fresh eyes. And, and what I often see is that a lot of actors have succumbed to this is now going to be my plight. Once a swing, always a swing. And so I will spend time in auditions and try and push and probe and say, I, I just want to meet you. Let's break you out of the box. You know, I say, I want you to take up space a lot. And it's, it really is sadly something that a lot of performers don't know how to do, especially performers of color mm. and especially people who have been, you know, uh, under studies and swings a lot. So, um, I do, do take the extra time to do that. And how do people learn to do that? You know, I have a, if I'm watching someone, you know, I'm really spontaneous about it. Sometimes I feel like what people need to do is like take out their frustration, you know, you know, I'll tell someone, you know, just like, I'll give them a book and just say, you know, just throw this against the wall when you're singing the song, you know, just let it out. How does it feel to have been like stuck? You know, how do I unstick them? You know, sometimes I'll have them like turn their back to me and mm-hmm. just say, you know what, you're in your shower and you're like, you know, singing as if you're in Madison Square Garden and like just be the rock star on the stage and like close your eyes and sing the song. I'm sad you know? I never auditioned for you. It sounds so <laughs> fun. <laughs> you know, it, it is, it, it, it's so, it's so hard to see someone at 75%. Mm-hmm. It like, it's like heartbreaking for me because I, I think like, who told you that 25% doesn't matter? Mm. And, and I want to tell them, you know, it, all of it matters. It, it, it's, it's so important. Oh, I'm getting so teary. <sighs> I spent my career at 75%. Mm. And I'm, and I'm a hundred percent as a director. Wow. And I think like, wow, why did I always feel like I had to be what the room needed me to be. Mm. I don't want people to feel that way. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a, yeah. That's another thing I loved that you talked about, even your work with um, introverts and yeah. how you give everybody in your cast a moment. Yeah, oh gosh. Yeah. And how you, fi- how you find, I mean, like that's just beautiful. Well, you know, it's, it's the, um, you know, everybody needs that, that high mom moment, <laughs> you know, like an opening night. You're like, my moment is, and just making sure that everyone has that, that high mom moment in the show. Um, and you know, there's, there are always people, I was never, 
I'm like an extrovert introvert, you Me know, too. I, like I do not like to go to parties. Mm-hmm. I'm like really, I'm not the person who's going to be like, Hey, such and such. I'm you know, like, yes. I'm never going to introduce myself. And like, <laughs> I get very embarrassed and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, nothing. Raise my face. And like, you know, <laughs> I would like probably like said something about, you know, to you when you were like, you know, what are your credits? And I was like, Oh my God, I, was, uh, I just, I don't like any of that stuff. Um, but, I, and because of that, you know, I remember being in auditions and like people in the room, I'd watch a director like look around and people would like perk up and like yes. quick to volunteer and that kind of thing. And, um, and I was never that person. And I would, you know, oftentimes like get overlooked for things. Um, and so I really do try and see like who's sitting in the corner, who maybe has their earphones on because like the, not because they're ignoring the space, but because like the room is just too busy and too many people are on. Yes. And how do I like create that moment of engagement? You know, I'm not necessarily going to look at an introvert, you know, there's a beautiful um, book called quiet by Susan Cain. And I read that book and I was like, Oh my gosh, not all performers are performing all the time. Right. And, And so I do try to find those moments on breaks and just say like, Hey, you doing? Hey, you know, and just kind of connect in ways that make each person feel comfortable. Um, I think of like, when someone asks me, what do I think my job as a director is? And I was like, I think, I think of myself as a, um, a, a linguist um, because I feel like my job is to speak everyone's language. Oh. And so I, I spend the first like kind of week just kind of watching people and going, oh, okay, you speak dance. That's your comfort zone. Okay, so what I want to do is engage you as a dancer. And then what I want to do is encourage from your dancer place like this moment or you're a singer first. Okay, so your strength is here. This is your superpower. And I want you to live in that. But I also want to grow this. And so I, I kind of just you know, you're a person who's a little bit more quiet, but like wickedly funny. So like, I want to sit next to you at the next like company meeting, you know, <laughs> just kind of like, kind of watching, you know, how each person thrives. Cause my goal is to get the best out of everyone for everyone to feel extraordinarily empowered mm. and heard and for them to feel like they don't have to conform to the space, they can bring their authentic selves into it. So, you know, I, I get really excited when I figure out, you know, I come home, you know, my husband and I'm like, oh, I figured out this person's language. Like I totally had a breakthrough today. And, you know, and so, you know, by the end of like a two week period, he knows who all the characters are and like how they thrive. And I, it's such a like high for me to figure out like, if I've made that connection and, you know, artistically and, and figured out, you know, how we're going to grow this. You could write a book on that because I've never heard that before, you know, and it's kind of like the thing about our kids, like how, you know, whether you're an audible learner or a visual learner. So you've kind of found your own theater language. That's my, I I think that's like my niche is like, that's my, you know, it, it, it's really, it's fun. You know, I like to do crossword puzzles. Like it's a challenge, you know, so it kind of like hits, I'm super like sporty and competitive. So I kind of like, I'm going to figure you out and then we're going to like make it happen. So I kind of like, I don't know. It it scratches my itch somehow to, to figure out, you know, what everyone's like superpower is and how to grow it. I love that. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. 
Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, I want to talk about one other thing because then I want to leave time to talk about your book. But another thing that I loved that I never heard before really was um, how you, I think it's, was it your brother who works in um, and has to think ahead of what the next trend is or something? Oh, That's yeah, my brother-in-law. Yeah, your yeah, brother-in-law. yeah. And so, an you, so you've kind of done that with theater. I try to, I always try to think about when I'm working on a show, not what's great now, mm-hmm. but what's going to be great like three and four years from now. Like the mindset of the community, what we're going to need. Yeah, um, because we don't make theater for this. Like when we're rehearsing and we're developing something, by the time it gets to the stage, it's stale unless right. we're thinking ahead. And so I, I never want to feel like I'm making theater that is reactive. Yes. You know, like and you brought up right now about like COVID is like, well, you know, in six years when it comes to like comes to the stage, what is that <laughs> going to be? You know, like right. that's, that's the tricky thing. It's about wh- what are the you know, what do we know about our history? And that's why history is so valuable. You know, history repeats itself. What do we know uh, about this next wave? We're not going through something new. We're going through something. We're in a cycle of humanity. Where are we on this cycle? Where is the cycle going to next? What are going to be the challenges based on what we have at our disposal and what we can see in the future is coming? Um, that will be both, you know, a help and a hindrance. Mm-hmm. And how, are, you know, are we as human beings, uh, what are we grappling with? What are we celebrating? What are we, um, what do we need to confront yeah. to grow? So those are the things that, you know. And I, I remember I, you talking yeah. about Aida, if you yeah. want to, and how now it's going to appear that it was reactionary, but you actually, it was more visionary at when you, you know. Yeah. Working on it. You know, when I started working on the show, you know, a few years ago, I was really thinking about, you know, and it's the same theme of my book, you know, what, how do we, how do we authentically tell our stories? How do we reclaim our history? You know, Aida is based on two very real places, <laughs> Egypt and Nubia, but there has been this fictional story put upon these very real places. So what happens if we actually go back and read history and look at the history of Nubia and look at the history of Egypt? And what I discovered was something so incredible. Mm. You know, if you look at these two places and they've often been depicted, you know, all the way back to, you know, all the way back to like Liz Taylor as like, you know, Egyptians being, you know, very white presenting versus Nubians who are very, you know, brown, black presenting that this, that if you look back in history prior to the, the Roman and Greek invasions, Egypt and Nubia were split by a border. It's New York and New Jersey, right? (laughs) You know, this is like, if you just kind of broke it down to like local, it's like, what's the difference between these two people? Hairstyles, right? (laughs) What's the difference between like Nubia and Egypt? Culture, traditions, but their skin color is the same. The sun is the same, right? They fought over like where the borderline was. Mm-hmm. These people 
were not separated by color. And so, you know, I set the show during the 25th dynasty because I thought, what an interesting story if you're not predicting its ending. If it's not about color, Mm -hmm. then now we have to really lean in and go, oh, what are the issues here? It's very easy to go like, oh, one's, you know, black, one's white, and Mm -hmm. we know where this is going. Um, but, But I actually think that it's infinitely more interesting when the audience isn't ahead of you from the moment the curtain comes up. So uh, it is, you know, the idea of reclaiming our history and authentic representation is certainly like now very much in our zeitgeist. We're having these conversations. And I had a conversation with Bob Crowley in London um, in October. We had dinner. I was there working and we were you know, talking about the set design for Aida and the costumes and And I was just kind of grappling with like, oh, Bob, you know, in 2020, I was like ahead of the curb in this conversation. And and he said something to me that has really resonated to me, really resonated with me. And I've rethought the whole show and I'm now so excited to introduce some some new themes into it. Um, He said, because we we had locked the set design, you know, we were like done, right? Mm -hmm. Because we were in rehearsals when when, you know, Broadway shut down. He said, I want to go back and revisit everything. I want to reopen the design. I want to revisit everything with you because we aren't the artists we were two years ago. And I was like, <laughs> that's why you're a genius, yeah. right? Like that's, that's why you put people who are like so smart around you that continue yes. to inspire you. Because in 2020, I was done because that's all I knew, but I have lived more. I have thought more. I've experienced more. And what an incredible time to re-examine this piece. And when I thought about where we were in our consciousness as human beings and what's going on in the world, I did see, oh, there's something new to tease out in this musical. Mm. And although I'm not going to reveal it, no. <laughs> um, I, I, am, I am super excited that there are new themes for us to look at that I think will be very resonant um, and very topical when the show does make its debut in 2023. That is so exciting. Um, and I think that's a great segue into your book that you wrote. Yeah. Uh, so tell me why you wrote the book. I wrote the book because I was um, I was sitting at Passover with my daughters at my sister-in-law's house and my husband's family is Jewish. And I was listening to my mother-in-law tell the girls about their Jewish enslaved history. You know, Passover is a whole like, you know, almost like a theatrical ritual, like reliving that, mm-hmm. retelling that story. And, and we had done this every year since they were like, you know, literally, you know, in high chairs. And this was probably like the fifth year. And I thought, I have never told them about their enslaved history. Wow. And and why not? And why don't we have a ritual around this as black people? Why are we not doing this? And so I was like, I got, I have to find my way in, you know, and I was looking for books and, and although there are so many books that kind of speak to slavery in this country I wanted to find my way in mm-hmm. that felt both very personal, but also what is that first conversation? Mm. And, and the more research I did, like I just kept going down the rabbit hole. And what I discovered was 
that the story of our ancestors doesn't begin on the shores of America. It begins in Africa. Before we talk about enslavement, we have to look at first freedom Mm. and really look at how did they survive it? How did they endure? Mm. What gave them the tools to both create and innovate and their ingenuity? It's because that's who they always were. And that arriving on the shores of America did not rob our ancestors of those skills that those skills were at play and because of their strength and their ingenuity and their grace and their dignity, I'm here. Mm -hmm. And, and so I, I, I am a part of that legacy. And so I, I wrote the book to begin the story and begin the conversation about who our ancestors were and how do we celebrate them And how do we look back on our lives and know that there is a connection between their brilliance and our brilliance, their their resilience and our resilience? Because there's still so much work to do, but they have left us all the tools to do it. I really, I love your book so much. Um, You know, both of us have biracial families and when my girls you know, were little, I joined the Black Affinity Group and they welcomed me with open arms and were just so lovely to me. But I learned so much that I think white people don't realize. And it's a huge controversy that's going on right now in schools. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were parents, you know, talking about the first time their kids learn about slavery or learn about any people of color, black people is through slavery and it's traumatizing for them. They come home from school crying and it was just heartbreaking to hear these stories. And I think what your book does is um, it's just a great tool for schools to have to, to be the first um, to learning about it. And for other parents, white parents, to know how important this is to be taught in a, um, uh, a different way. Yeah. It, I, I was traumatized. You are. I was traumatized in school. I mean, I was like one of three black kids in school, mm. you know, to see depictions of black people in chains and, you know, see movies, they're speaking broken English. And you, you know, I felt like, they were ignorant. Yeah. Like, you know, when I started, when I started doing the research for this book and Carrie, I'm so embarrassed to say it. I was like, you know, 46, 47 years old. And I was reading and it never dawned on me that when I saw black people enslaved black people speaking broken English, that they spoke other languages. Right. I was like, Oh my good God. Of course they did. Oh my good God. Wow. Yeah, of course they spoke their own language. This was un- like, it was so mind blowing to me that I didn't, I never put that together. Mm-hmm. And so what I attributed to ignorance was actually cruelty of not being prevented to learn a language, but the perseverance of saying we will communicate. You know, I didn't know that there was a language created called pigeon 
Mm-hmm. It was a combination of so many, both African and Caribbean languages, so that they could communicate together. Mm-hmm. And what love it took to look at a stranger after your family has been ripped away and saying, you're my brother now, mm. and we will connect. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Extraordinary acts of love and courage. And how are we not telling those stories? Why are we being um, arrested by the trauma that we're not seeing the beauty? And it's because we, you know, for me, I was so afraid to go to a place that I thought would traumatize my children. But what I knew by looking at Passover every year is they're able to digest this story of Jewish enslavement. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they are able to digest the story of African-American enslavement. Like I, I knew that it wasn't that one, they could do one, but not the other. It just meant that I had to figure out a way to do it. I had to find my way in because clearly they can handle it. And, and that to me was, you know, and then once I, once I figured out how to talk to my girls about it, I, I was like, oh, I bet you other people, because I asked other people, I'm like, hey, how are you doing it? Like, girl, what are you telling your kids? <laughs> and, when I, and when I heard from other people, you know, really good friends of mine was like, oh, I'm not having that conversation. And I was like, oh, huh. You're not having that conversation? You know? Because yeah. I'm like, you know, the old mom. So I figured like everybody else has done it already. And I was really shocked that really good friends of mine had also, you know, kicked the can on having the conversation because they didn't have a way in. So I wrote the book because I thought we need to have the conversation. Yeah. What I needed was a tool. This might not be right for everybody, but it certainly did break this open for me in such a joyful way yeah. um, that perhaps it could, you know, be of service to other people as well. I love it. I highly recommend it. Um, no matter your race, I think it's really important how you teach the story of slavery to your children. And also just um, remember that um, diversity matters. And this is the whole thing with like, I'm just putting this out there here. The critical race, the critical race theory is not being taught in schools. That's not, that's just a political term. And, um, you know, as a white mom, who's, gone through this whole system way before it was talked about in the past two years, I can tell you this is not political. It's just diversity makes the world more beautiful. And I mean, in theater, like what you're bringing to Aida is just this new, it's just beautiful. (laughs) To me, it's... it's, And important. It's history is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Something I learned when I was reading about Nubian and Egypt, Egyptian history, it kind of blew me away of all the things that I read and learned and researched was women. Women's role in Egypt and ancient Egypt and ancient Nubia, women were revered. Mm. Women were the leaders of the armies because we're strategic thinkers. Women were gods. Women were doctors. Women held, you know, 
when a woman got divorced, they owned property and took what they brought into the marriage, right? There was, women had more equity 4,000 years ago than they do, than we do now. And I was like, huh. Wow. I actually want to get back to where <laughs> we were. It was really the influx of like religion that really like something, you know, it was like all of a sudden there was a book that was like, women don't do this and women don't really? do that. Oh my gosh. I was like, uh, <laughs> um, and, and it made me realize how important it is, you know, to write things down uh-huh. for us to begin to like tell our histories, for us to be, be able to talk about our journeys it was unbelievable um, what I learned about gender alone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the history is is vital. It's important. There is, you know, I've heard so many things about, you know, talking about race makes white kids feel guilty. Right. And I was like, I, I don't know how any child could feel guilty for something they didn't do. It, it wasn't them. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it isn't ever about you know, that. It's, in never, my house, it's never like we, we say there's no such thing as always and never in our house. Like the kids are like, you always say, we're like, there's no such thing, but it's, it's the same thing. There's no all one race did this and all that's right. One, it's, the, the, it's, it's, it's nuanced and it's specific but it's true and it's really important to tell the truth. Yes. And anytime we are running from the truth, it always comes back to haunt us mm-hmm. in, in, in terrible ways. I have never um, had conversations where people are really advocating to be more ignorant. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to know and I don't want my kids to know because I'm afraid of what they will know. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, our actual job to me as parents is to tell our children the truth at, in stages and ways that they can handle it, right? We're not going to start out with like, you know, subjects that they can right, handle. Right. But as they grow, we also grow with them. We allow their knowledge to grow because they have a purpose in making this world better. Yes. And if they are not, if they don't have the tools, and the education and the appreciation for what was, how can they be a part, a vital part of creating the future? So I'm not afraid of any stories about black people. You know, I'm like, tell the stories. I'm not afraid of any stories about any race. Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid that my children will walk away and say, oh, that's me. They have a very strong understanding of who they are. Mm-hmm. They can also look at something and say, that's right and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And we can have those discussions as a family. You know, when I started talking to my children about like, well, let's really talk about what Thanksgiving is and isn't. Mm-hmm. Talk about the real story. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they were like, huh, they weren't traumatized. Uh-huh. <laughs> they weren't like crying in Turkey, right? Yeah, yeah. But it was really important for them to understand the stories that we've been. Yeah, they were like, oh god, they, they, they like they were like, huh? Then why do we tell this other story? Right. And I was like, I, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you the truth mm-hmm. because Native Americans deserve for their story to be told. Yes. Yeah. 
On that note, everyone go out and buy your legacy. Get it for everyone you know, adult, child, um, and go and see Shelly's shows. Shelly, do you have yeah. anything else to plug? Do you want people to follow you on any social media? I'm on Instagram um, at Shelly Williams and at Legacy Book. And uh, anything else that that I missed? I the only thing that I would say is, you know, I just want to send so much love mm. to our extraordinary industry. Yes, and every human that makes theater happen all over the globe. Mm-hmm. We have gone. Th- through it in the last two years. We have had, you know, everything from, you know, people have had to like move back home with their families and, you know, even all of our side hustles were gone. The teaching dance classes and we saw like, it has been such a struggle. We have lost so many friends. So many people have succumbed to depression and drugs and, and this is the most extraordinary community. Mm. And what, what we do in the world is not frivolous. It is vital. And we keep showing up and we keep supporting each other and we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people who are feeling alone know that, you know, we are a community of love, that the Inclusion. Actors Fund, yes. yeah, the Actors Fund is there for us. Mm-hmm. Never feel embarrassed to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We support each other. We help each other. And when we can and we will get our our stages back open and we will get back to doing what we love, we're going to do it remembering what we have been through, mm-hmm. how important we are to each other, that we, the humans, supersede any story that we have to tell. And we will value each and every person that makes what we do possible. Hmm. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much. This was an amazing interview. Thank you, Shelly, so much. Shelly Williams, everyone. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast and want more episodes, please take a second to rate it. Check out my website, Carrie Butler Coach, for more info on private coaching and teaching at schools. You can follow me on Instagram, Carrie Butler One, and visit bpn.fm slash Breaking Broadway for all ways to listen, follow, subscribe, hear past episodes of Breaking Broadway, and find out more information. Together you and I are Breaking Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.